podcast, Jim. I want to go take a nap. Well, you should have you should have told me that before you went live. Oh, does that mean that we have to do this now? Well, we're kind of invested in it now, aren't we? Hold on a minute. Let me go ahead and share this. Yay! How shall I share it? Just say not a lot to talk about. I don't know. Share it. Uh, share it to all seven of your followers and say, "Listen, or I'm going to be so sad that I might have to go kick a puppy." Kick a puppy. I don't kick I don't puppies. Know. Well, then clearly you don't get sad enough. Good. What are we going to talk about then? Shane winning another tournament. Ooh. <clears throat> another bar a, table tournament. On a bar table. Ooh. <laughs> it's pretty impressive stuff, isn't it? That's, he's, uh, oh, he doesn't do that very often, does he? Yeah, I was oh, actually... He, uh, he had to work for it. He had the double dip in the final because he got beat by the kid that, he, the, uh, that was in the final, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess going back and looking at uh, the kind of video response we're going to talk about, I don't know, maybe we can start start out with talking with this uh we can talk about the don afterwards uh shane's response to fader kind of halfway calling him out was uh he's his response was uh 10 ball it's close uh he would probably play him nine ball shane does not think that he can win in banks uh he doesn't he hasn't thought enough about one pocket yeah, he's so not he mentally, he needs, he, one pocket. So I think one pocket is hard work for him because he, he mentioned he has to get mentally invested in it. I don't think he really enjoys getting mentally invested in one pocket. Yeah. Um, and it becomes a bit of a grind for him. I just don't think it's his favorite game. I think he's favorite against Fedor, but whether or not he's willing to put himself into that, yeah. that mental state to, to, to play him in a long race, uh, I think that I think he's just trying to avoid that kind of grind and getting into that way yeah, of thinking. So he didn't really think too much about that, and he said he didn't think he could win in banks. So Shane does not think he could – oh, sorry, I already said that. Uh, Shane said that he would rob him basically in eight ball, which I think I agree with. So let's, let's go through – so let's go through one by one. Let's start with, uh, I guess, the eight ball. Let's go in reverse order that I went with. Uh, eight ball, do you agree with Shane? Uh, if it's on a bar box, yes. I think if it's on a bar box, he absolutely thumps him. Um, on a nine-foot table, um, other than Federer getting to the the final of the world eight ball, uh, I've never actually really seen Federer play much eight ball. Um, he will have done enough at the European Championships and stuff like that. Um, we know that Shane's played it a lot. We know that he's, I mean, he's good at any game really. Um, I'd say yes. I'd go. With, I'd, I'd go with Shane eight ball uh, if it's on a bar box by a long distance. If it's on a standard nine foot, then still favourite. Yeah. Well, I would go so far as saying that anything on a bar table, Shane would rob Fedor. Rob is, well, he, I think he, he he's massive favorite. I think I think Fedor avoids playing that if he's got any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that okay, we can at least agree that he's a massive favorite on a bar table. Anything. It's not that yeah. Fedor can't play on a bar table. We've just, no, I mean, uh, we thought that Fedor was the what? Didn't we uh, dub him the bar box king? And then Shane went and played him uh, bar table 10 ball in Oklahoma. And I'm thinking Shane won 100 to oh, like 114 or something like that. I mean, so bar box king is uh, a hard a hard sell when you lost by 30 something games. Uh, mm -hmm. And 
before that, Sky was widely considered to be the best bar table player in the world. So it's hard to put Fedor in the category with Shane when Sky's had an open invite to have anybody play him on a bar table, and Sky never took advantage of that. Maybe he yeah. will in the future. Who knows? Um, let's just put that out there. I think Sky would, or I think Shane's going to win handily on a bar uh, on a bar table. So we both agree, big table eight ball. We probably give it to Shane. Uh, that is Shane's favorite game is eight ball. Uh, and he has grew he grew up playing eight ball, so we agree there. Uh, Banks, Shane says that he doesn't think he can win. What do you think? I mean, he can win, but again, it's 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 a little bit the same as the as, as the eight ball the other way around. You know, Federer's going to be favourite, you know, and uh, I think. He can win, but yes, Federer's Federer's favourite. But I, I, and again, only I'm only saying that because we know the results that Federer's had playing bank pool, and and Shane just doesn't really seem to play it much or really be interested in it. It's another one of those games that he, he can play if he needs to, but he's not going to go out of his way to play it. You know, um, so yeah, I give that one to Federer. If, if Shane thinks Federer beats him, then I can't really argue with that. You know. You're not, there's not going to be many times that, that Shane's going to turn around and say, I can't win this match. It doesn't matter who's playing him. Yeah. You know? And if he says that, then he probably knows himself that he's a, he's a big underdog. The, the banks, so I don't actually remember anybody matching up for a big, long set of banks before. Yeah, but, um, but people have. But, I mean, Billy's played, but Billy's and, and those guys have played banks for for like 12, 13 hours, but it's never been on a stream and probably produced yeah. and, and been put out there. That's, for the yeah, people. that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at I'm looking at this and I'm trying to like think about what this would even look like and I, I don't exactly know what it would even look like. Uh I, I kinda go with Shane on that one. Um if Shane thinks he can't win, usually usually he can't. He's pretty smart about those types of things. He's a really good handicapper, knows what he can do, knows what other people can do, uh gauges it pretty well. Um and Fedor's had a lot of big success in banks. I think he's what he's Place top three, I think, at Banks at uh, Derby City, including a, yeah. a win in the last three years. So, uh, yeah, what do I know? I think uh, Fedor seems to win every – and there's really – that's the only bank tournament that I can think of besides the – I don't want to call them Derby City wannabes, but that's that's kind of what they tend to be is the they take Derby City and they knock off the format and then make it their own. Yeah. Uh, that's really the only bank tournament I can think of in, across the country is Derby City that's of consequence. Exactly, and I mean this is going to be a match that that you know it's it's it it should draw in a large audience, you know, and they're going to have the stream, they're going to be selling the stream stuff like that. They're going to want to, they're going to want to get as big an audience as they can, and then I mean they're still going to get an audience because it's those two guys playing each other, but they won't get the same audience if they play banks as they would if they play one of the 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 the, the main three, say, especially if it's PPV. Exactly, especially pay per view. People are not going to—you're not going to get the same audience playing banks as you would play in ten ball or nine ball or even eight ball. Yeah. Okay, so move on to one pocket. Uh, I, this is actually, honestly, this is be what I would be most interested in actually watching. I think between these two, because I think it's what they're closest. I think I give Shane the edge on it uh, because he does have a little bit of that knowledge that um, Fedor talks about uh, Alex having that he doesn't have, and that's why it's so hard for him to. Envision playing against Alex. Shane has a lot more of that than he gives himself credit for. Uh, I think mostly with Shane, it's the mentality of actually getting into that one pocket mode that, uh, like you said earlier, he just doesn't really want to do it. It doesn't seem to be a game that interests him. 
Um, it's certainly not something he wants to mentally engage in. You think he'd rather mentally engage with uh, catching some Lakers than mm-hmm. he would uh, one pocket. So, um, I, but I think it's probably the closest game that of all of these. What do you think? I think if Shane does put himself into that mental box uh, and really does, you know, put 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 the effort into and gets motivated to actually play one pocket, then I think he's I, I, I think he's a comfortable favourite. Um, but he won't, you know. Um, I don't see it happening. Um, I don't agree that that's the closest game. If they if 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 Shane really turns up to play one pocket, then I don't agree it's the closest game. I think ten ball's probably the closest game. Um, but I would I would. Yeah. Federer's playing more one pocket. He's in the groove. He's learning all the time. Um, Shane doesn't really have anything left to learn. He just needs to get himself in the right frame of mind. Um, I don't see it being one pocket. I, I really don't. I think Shane will, will manage to talk Feder out of one pocket, not because he thinks he would lose it, because he just doesn't want to put the effort in to actually play a long yeah. set of uh, one pocket. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll move on to nine ball next. Uh, this is what Shane ultimately said that he would probably want to play Feder in. Uh, I'm more interested in his reasoning for that because he thinks he has the best chance uh, or if he thinks that that is kind of the future of pool right now and the 10 ball doesn't i mean when was the last time that shane played a, a game of 10 ball that actually had meaning probably the world 10 ball i mean don't don't give me that bar table 10 ball or anything like that is mm-hmm. going to be of actual consequence it's, it's stop it uh so all these like little 10 ball bar table events across the country that's that that means nothing to him uh he's chasing a paycheck for those things he doesn't he can't possibly care about any of those things the world 10 ball might be the only event during the year that he actually hits 10 ball at now and has it actually mean something. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think, I mean, I think that the fact that the, you know, nine ball is, 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 is the way things are moving at the moment, you know, that's where the majority of the events will be that you're going to see Shane battling in. There are majors, there's Moscone cup coming up. There's, I mean, I don't know when they would be planning on doing it, but you've got us open coming up. You have, uh, there's the Asian Open, which he's going to. He'll want to stay in Greece at nine ball, you know. And it, 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 if they do play nine ball, then I'm pretty guaranteed that it's going to be nine ball match and break rules, you know. And uh, that'll be good for both players, you know, to play a set like that. Um, who's favourite? Not really seen too much off Feder, you know, playing that. I mean, he did okay at the, the, the couple of match room tournaments he played, but didn't really, you know, he. Should have, he should have beaten Filler, and then you never know what happens from there, you know, at the last event. Um, I mean, the kid can play any game you want. Uh, is Shane favourite there? Oh, Shane seems to think that, but I think Shane thinks that that's his best chance uh, of winning. Um, I don't think I don't think Federer ducks away from that match. Um, that's the one, I, that's what I think it will personally be, because I don't think, I, I think it suits both of them. It's Win or lose, they're going to both gain something from it as far as going forward into the, the rest of the year, you know. Um, and uh, uh, is Shane favorite? I don't think so. I could think it's coin flip, yeah. I, I think a, a long set, uh, faders played enough of them to know that uh, yeah. stamina is not going to be an issue with it. Uh, Shane's played enough of it to know that the same thing, um. So where are they at with their careers right now? Well, 
I don't think that anybody doesn't think that Shane is at least, if he's not on the downswing, uh, he is very, very rapidly nearing it. Uh, and I think the same people would also say that we we probably have not seen the peak of Fedor yet. Uh, I think that Fedor is, maybe he peaks, what is he, he's 23 now? Does that sound right? 23, 24? Fedor? Yeah. Yeah, right about that, yeah. The European pros, they they seem to be spiking right around 27 to 31. Seems to be when most of these players are hitting their peak. Uh, and then, honestly, they haven't. Uh, there are very few players that have maintained a high level past, let's say, 32. Uh, can you think of any European pros past 32 that are still playing at, not only playing at an elite level, but actually like performing at uh, you know the end of the tournaments? thinking Albin, I'm thinking Jason. And since Albin turned 31, 30, I think he's 31, 31 now, 31 or 32. Uh, well, he's kind of, just won that tournament. They just won the, yeah. the and European he's, 40, he's 44, man. I, I had no idea he was that old. I thought he was in like, a I mean, Neil, Neil still goes deep in a lot of tournaments, you know, um, but the, the, there's such a crop of young players that have come through in the last less than 10 years kind of thing six years it's just it's just incredibly difficult for for all of them you know most and most seem and to be still getting better well yeah but what you, what you have at that age is they're playing at the start of their career they play without fear you know they don't have the battle scars yet and uh that's very difficult to play against you know when you get somebody there that's still playing the game because they enjoy the game and it's just they're just loving being out there and they're loving being battling against these guys and Already, the, the the guys of the the generation above the thirty ones, you know that Jason's getting into that situation now as well. Alvin, they've all got a target on their back. You know, these are the guys that the young kids are coming through, and they want to aspire to be like and to beat and stuff like that. And uh, and it's just every every generation that comes through just seems to be getting better and better now. You know, I mean, who's going to be? I mean, how do you top players like Phil or Catchy? Uh, you know, Sanchez Ruiz, uh, Fedor. There's going to be another generation to come through that are going to end up being better than them. Can you imagine how good they would have to be in order to be better than these guys? I mean, where does the bar top out? You know. Um, well, we don't. Uh, uh, every player that you just named, uh, barring, uh, I guess, except Kachi at this point, because we don't, we assume that he's going to be back in in form where he where he left off. But I mean, it looked like a pretty serious accident. We don't know that he's going to have everything back. I mean, how much scar tissue is is he going to end up having in that shoulder? In that arm, I mean, is it is it going to work the way it did before? We'll we'll find out with him. Uh, we're hoping it does, of course, because he's a great competitor and he, he brings, you know, a, a fierce competitiveness to the game. But uh, all the players that you named, they're still year over year getting better, and it, it's scary to say. Well, you're saying the next generation. We don't even know how good these guys are going to be yet. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And that's that's why you know kind of goes kind of goes back to my original point where like Fedor is still getting better month over month, year over year. Shane is coasted for a long time. I, I don't think that you're going to find anybody that says he's better now than he was ten years ago, but he's maintained pretty close to the same exact level. And it kind of you know with Shane, it seems to be how engaged is he going to be that month leading up to whatever he's you know yeah. playing in. Uh, but he still maintains an incredibly world-class, one of the best ever levels. So is Shane and Fedor playing? Is that going to bring out enough desire from Shane to actually put the time in to get ready for that match? 
you would have to assume that he would. Maybe if it's right after the U.S. Open or right before the U.S. Open or another major tournament coming up, he would, you know, he'd be getting ready just by default for that other tournament. But it, I mean, I think it takes a fully engaged 100% in-stroke game from Shane to be able to compete with Fedor. You know that Fedor is going to be there at this point in his career. I think it's so Shane, it, Shane's still got a hell of a lot of pride, you know, and he knows he's, oh, sure. he, 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 you know, he gets these matches. The reason he gets these matches is because he is the guy that people want to beat. He is the, the bar is measured by Shane Van Boney. Still is. It still is. You know, you can talk about your the, the fellows, Feathers, Albans, Jason. Shane is still considered to be the greatest of the current generation. And you know, and still he still is, you know. Not only for peak, but for longevity. I mean, he's been exactly. at the top. He's been a top five player in the world for 20 years. You know, you you have to he he say he never calls anybody out. The top guy never calls people out in any sport. When did when does Shane ever call somebody out? I think he called Jason because out he, at one he, point, he, but that was personal. I think yeah, he okay, called for out personal, for personal reasons, maybe. But yeah, that was personal. In order to, in order to prove yourself as being the best, if you are if you already consider yourself to be the best and your peers consider to be the best. You're never calling anybody out, are you? It's only you. It's you getting called out all the time, and it's Shane that gets called out all the time. Nobody ever. He never calls anyone else out because he is the top dog. He is the top guy, and you can you can argue with certain certain formats and certain tournaments that uh, over the last years he's not been the top guy. But if you're talking about long races to 120, 150, he has been and still is the guy that people measure the. The, the bar at is Shane Van Boning, you know, he's played so many of these sets. He very rarely loses, you know, he's, he, he it'll be winner breaks format, you know, and you, you, he's, he's a guy that'll be running 10, 11 racks, you know, and you know, when he gets into stroke and he's, and he always does at some stage over a three day event, he gets into stroke for about two or three hours and he just blasts whoever it is he's playing off the table and then puts himself in a position where he can't lose anymore. You know, um, but Feder can do that as well. But Shane Feder can do it. Shane has done it many, 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 many times. You know, um, yeah. Any sport, the top guy never calls anybody else out. So you know, Feder's calling Shane out because Feder's calling Shane out because he knows he's that that he's chasing Shane. He knows that everybody's chasing Shane. They have been for years. You know, and somebody will, somebody will go over. The, somebody will pass him. That's just the way it works. That's evolution. Somebody will pass him, and somebody will be considered as better. But right at this moment, if you if you want to talk about your your where you're standing in in like long race challenge matches, big money challenge matches, you, you Shane's still number one. You know, yeah. don't matter what the game is. Yeah. Uh, so I think if if Shane comes in perfectly ready to go, uh, dialed in, you know, focused. Uh, gives Fader his best game. I still think he is. I don't want to go 60 40 because I don't think he's a 60 40 dog, but I also think he's a little 57 43. You had to calculate that, didn't you? 57 open. That's for, for, for that. <laughs> yes, more than I want to admit. <laughs> 
I was going to say, I think nine, I think nine ball, I think Shane's favourite. I think, he, I think, um, that'll I think be the match. Yeah, I think that'll be the match he wants to play. Um, well, I think, I think, because uh, I, I think Fader's still a favourite. So I think we could do a little friendly little uh, podcast wager. What do you think? Ooh. Well, let's see what they announce. Two, round, two rounds at the Moscone. Well, I am VIP day, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I lose or not. <laughs> I did get that, Aaron. Uh, I'll I'll periodically take a look at that while uh, we're uh, well, basically when Jim's talking, I don't really listen to him when he talks anyway. So I will take a look at what you sent me uh, as we're going on through the podcast. Uh, but I guess, yeah, I mean, now we've kind of broken down each one individually. Do you actually well, think it's ten ball. We've, not talked, we've not talked about 10 ball yet? Well, I said 10 ball first and that I kind of said it. It's a, I don't think that they'll ever play just because there's 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 no event that Shane plays oh, yeah, okay. yeah, periodically yeah. throughout the year. But who uh, wins I it mean, then? Who, who wins if they play 10 ball? Oh, well, I mean, the one thing the so Shane has always been an elite ball striker. I mean, he's always he's always potted balls incredibly proficiently but the the reason why shane was so dominant at 10 ball for so long is of course his break um fedor's break is behind shane's i think still but it's not enough of a gap i don't think to be able to make up for the striking advantage that fedor has over shane so i think i would think that i think probably the same thing maybe 57 43 in favor of fedor but i think that was probably a little bit closer to shane uh, and that one could have a lot bigger uh, range for which uh, the score can go. I could see I could see Shane beating Fedor in ten ball by in a race to hundred by ten games pretty easily. I could also see Fedor beating Shane by fifteen games, something mm-hmm. like that, because Shane's break is as elite as it gets. And if it's clicking and he's making both those wing balls and one of the four railers. Uh, you know, he's looking at playing seven ball uh, and he controls the one ball so well off his break. I mean, if he's playing seven ball with a shot on the one ball, I don't care how good of a player you think you are. You just can't compete against stuff like that. Not winner breaks. That's what he does, you know. No. Yeah, it's uh, I think at this point in time, we're past the idea of hand racking. I don't think that that's ever going to be a thing again, hopefully. Mm. Um, I mean, we're, we're almost past the the age of. uh these gambling matches at all, right? I mean, how often were we seeing these things? We're only seeing them maybe like during COVID, we were seeing a good one per month on average. Now we're seeing But I'm I'm kinda happy about that. It should I mean one or two. We we talked about it when when they were happening basically every week. And I should say removing one they're, pocket. If you remove one pocket. Yeah, they're, they're nice when they happen just once in a while. You know, it has to be it has to be something that's considered to be a big deal. Um, because yeah, and there's got to be a reason. They're not, they're not that much fun to watch, to be honest. You know, I mean, day one, you're basically, uh, I don't know, they, they are a bit long winded. They're interested. You get those moments, like I said, where, where the players are, they've been playing long enough that they get really into stroke. And then you see some absolute monster, monster, monster hour or two hours of pool, uh, which is great to see. And you get to see exactly how good these guys are. Um, but I personally, I just find it all just a bit too long, you know. Um, the day two is always they're, 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 they're interesting to see the, to, to see the results. They're amazing if it gets really, really close and it gets, you know, you're 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 down to race to 120 and you're 115, 115. Then the excitement level is off the rails, you know. Um, but, I've um, never, 
I, I've never in my life watched something more entertaining than when Shane Van Boning was leading Dennis Arcoyo 114 to 97 in their uh, their 10 ball match. I think it was 10 ball. Maybe it was nine ball. Nine ball. It must be nine ball because there's no way that there's no way that Dennis would have played him 10 ball. I'm blanking on it. It was probably like four or five years ago now. Um, but yeah, and then Dennis comes back and wins that match. I mean, yeah. there was nothing in pool that I've ever watched in my entire life that was more entertaining than that. Yeah. Besides all the VG events, every single second of those. Every single second. But the commentary made that. Yeah, yeah, mostly, yeah. 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 So, but besides you that, that. You don't you don't get that kind of quality of money matches. No, no, definitely not. Except for our money match that we did there. That's awesome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, I, I mean, they have the potential to be incredibly entertaining. But when was the last big non-one pocket matchup between two players that was done all up nice and shiny like uh i mean roy's basement hasn't done anything for a while mm -hmm. um i guess it was the last omega was that uh jason and dennis somebody in the comments help us out when was the last big matchup that wasn't one pocket that was one of these big money matches i think it was it might have been jason and dennis and that was that was over a year ago at this point. No, it was about a year ago because he wanted to get he wanted to get in Greece for the Moscone Cup. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was about a year ago then. So we went from probably about twelve to fifteen of them a year uh, mm. to zero. I mean, Pool Action TV hasn't done one for I don't even remember. I don't remember the last one that they did, and it was probably one pocket. It's yeah. probably one of the the Chip and Tony matches or something like that. I mean, they, they definitely have a, a purpose, and I, and I enjoyed watching them. Um, you know, it, it is really fun, you know, cracking a bottle of wine on a Friday night and just sitting down and watching pool for six hours. I mean, that that's awesome. I, I very much enjoyed those. Saturdays, I, I'm not going to lie, I barely ever saw a Saturday. I'm not, I just don't want to spend my Saturday night. Yeah, I'd rather, play, I'd rather spend my Saturday night actually playing than watching it. But then Sundays, you know, crack another bottle of wine watch them on Sundays they were nice uh so I guess uh this this whole like Facebook stuff it's kind of interesting and it's 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 good content and uh you know it kind of keeps people engaged and kind of wondering what it could be I don't see it ever happening I just I I just this is a lot to me like uh Shane Jace or uh, Shane and um uh Joshua Filler like two three years ago now I guess uh after the all the Moscone Cup drama of you know Mm -hmm. Don't stand in the king's chair stuff. Uh, I guess that was Jason, but I think it was that same year that uh, everybody was just basically bag. Yeah, I guess the shark stream model. Yeah, that is actually sharks does it all the time. But I, I just can't. I just can't deal with those hours. Um, the, the time change, and then I, I guess I don't know. I just don't get into those as much as I probably should. Um, but yeah, I guess sharks has them all the time. I, I completely forgot about that. Uh, but I just don't see this ever happening, ever. What do you think? What did you not see ever happening? Shane and Federer. You don't see it happening? No. Oh, I see. I, I, think, I think they play nine ball. You think so? Yeah. I just don't see how it would ever happen, personally. I just don't. I don't I don't see why they wouldn't play. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure both of them have got backers that will just throw their money into it quite happily. And, wasn't, uh, it, wasn't it the same with the filler situation, though, with Jason or uh, Shane and uh, filler? That never happened. Now, uh, Fedor has significantly more uh, gamble than 
uh, filler though. So that, I mean, that's a real thing. Yeah, and Federer's at home in the States, you know, filler would have to come over the States or Shane would have to go over to Europe. I'm quite sure there was talk about, you know, you come here if you want to play me, you come here, no bollocks, you can play me here, blah, blah, blah. You know, Filler's not really into all that kind of stuff. He's, a, he's, he, he, he's not really into the gambling. He's a tournament player. He just wants to win yep. titles. You know, he wants titles is what Filler wants. Um, That's true. He doesn't, he's not somebody that, he wants to prove himself in tournaments and not prove himself in a money match. He's not interested in that, I don't think. If he was interested in that, we'd have seen him at some stage playing a, play, playing, uh, a big set uh, after a US Open or, or something like that. You know, you, you'd have already seen it. He hasn't played anybody. Just because he didn't play Shane, uh, is nothing to do with Shane. He just, I just don't think he's interested in playing these matches. Someone's that Federer is, yeah. and he's in the States, well, You know, another reason why I just don't, I just don't see how it happens. I mean, are they going to do like an exhibition match before a tournament? You know, they both arrive to, I don't know, some some tournament, uh, and the night before they're both free and they want to do a race of twenty five or something uh, for the fans. Something cute, well, sponsor. I mean that, that 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 that's one consideration. Is I mean, there's so many tournaments going on. Where do you find the time to schedule these matches? You know, um, yeah. so especially that, when I mean, Shane's not playing, he wants to be on the lake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 that's one consideration, I guess. It's just not as easy to schedule these matches uh, uh, as it was during the COVID time and stuff like that. Um, and with all the tournaments that are going on, but again, two guys living in the same country, they, they, they'll figure out a week somewhere that they can do it, a weekend, and. Uh, how fantastic would it be if, uh, you know, with Matchroom, Emily, Emily, you know, she made a little hint earlier about, um, and actually, yeah, like right as I'm saying this, John's bringing yeah, this John, in. Emily, uh, Emily, Emily did tease it a couple months ago that she was trying to get a one-on-one -on -one happening. I don't think that that'll ever happen as like a real gamble because I don't think that Emily's going to touch that with a 10-foot pole mm -hmm. and what that actually, uh, you know, entails. But with QTech sponsoring all of Matchroom's events at this point, why wouldn't QTech throw a couple – you know, a Shane and Fedora and have them play or, you know, a Sky and Shane or something like that. I mean, I don't think that they would, those two would ever play unless it's, you know, just some exhibition thing, but some Q-Tech promotion. Yeah. Q-Tech promotional, you know, like, like what you think Emily's going to do a bar table match? You no. know, it's, if, if, yeah. <laughs> if this is done, it's going to be at a nine foot or yeah, something. Yeah, em, em, Emily, uh, Emily, going to uh, to Shane and Sky and say, right, I want you two to match up live on Sky Sports Matchroom Challenge Match. Sky against Shane. They turn and say, okay, we're playing bar table eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it'll be a, it'll be on a diamond nine footer if it's a multi table event. It'll be on a it'll diamond resin if it, or a, a nine foot resin if it's a if it's a, you know a single table event. But uh, yeah, why not? Q-Tech throws up two players and call it the, the, the Q-Tech Cup. I don't know. Something silly like that before the U.S. Open or after the U.S. Open or something like that. Maybe that'd be interesting. But I mean, they've, got unless enough, it, they've got enough players they could do it. You know, you throw mailing in there. They could have like an eight-player event or something like that. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why not? Uh, with that being said, unless it's like some sort of exhibition match like that, I can't imagine a situation where Shane and Fader ever play. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. I don't know. I think there's a, I think there's a match there to be had. I don't Maybe. see. I mean, I think I think Shane will be quite picky. I don't think he really cares that much about playing Fedor as far as I want to play Fedor. 
but you know, if the if 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 the money's right and the situation is right and he gets what he wants and he's turn around and say, okay, I want to play here, I want nine ball, I want to play match room rules, I want four inch pockets, and he gets all that from Feder, then he'll go and play it. If Feder says no, I want to play you one pocket, she'll just say, uh, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's finished. You know, the thing's dead in the water. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, makes sense to me. Uh, so then that's the, way it, that's the way it should be. That's if you're the if you're the top dog and people are chasing you, sure. You, that, 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 that's that, that that's the respect you get, and that's the benefit you get. You say, okay, you want a shot at me, I'll give you a shot at me, but we do it under my what I want, you know, because I've earned the right to pick and choose who and yep. how I play people. Yeah. Yep. Uh so I don't know. Do you want to move on from that? Talk about the yeah. Don Weir Memorial. Speaking of bar table. And Shane. Shane Vett, yeah, Shane. Uh, he does lose the 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 finals of the A side though. Um, comes back through and completes a double dip. Loses seven four, then wins seven two seven three. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's. I, I I struggle to get excited for bar table events anymore. I I think uh, Matchroom is having the desired effect on <laughs> a lot of people, and they look at bar table as like a yeah. Eh. I think. Without being I, said, I mean, I think Shane's the same, and it goes back to what you said earlier on. It's just a paycheck for him, and he'll go there and play it because it's basically guaranteed money for him. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It kind of is what it is. Um, it's an interesting event. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to turn down pool content. Um, it's good in that sense, but uh, yeah. The, I mean, the bar table events are, and this is coming from somebody who only plays bar table. Well. Well, I mean, by, by, by all accounts, from from what I've heard and what I've seen on Facebook, it was a massively enjoyable and successful tournament. You know, so and, that's and, part of it as well. You know, we can talk as we can talk here as pool purists and say that you know it's bar table eight ball, blah blah blah. Change, but if the if the if the pool room's full and it's full of players and also people watching, fans and stuff like that, it's got a great atmosphere and everyone's having a good time and there's a bit of money in it and people are earning money. Then it, for me, it's a success and it has a place within within the sport, you know. Absolutely. Uh, well, why not? So I mean, I, I don't. We, we we shouldn't we shouldn't bash it because it's bar table eight ball. Um, it was it was a massively enjoyable and successful event by all accounts from what I've heard. So um, congratulations to the people that put it on, you know. And uh, okay, and props so, to people like uh, Mike Pinozo and Melina Mike that went over there and yeah. documented it. Exactly. They they put it out there and they put it on Facebook. They gave us all a chance to see what was going on there. And uh, that's, that's what they need. That's what these tournaments need as well. They need to be promoted. They need people to see that you know it's it's not just some scummy little tournament in the back ass of of nowhere. That it's actually you know a, a full house of people enjoying these matches. You know, doesn't matter what yep. table is played on. You know, absolutely. So uh, yeah, uh, I guess Shane Van Boning gets first place. Uh, going to the whole thing. Spencer Ladden gets uh, second place. Congratulations to him for uh, beating Shane for the for the uh, the hot seat. It's a pretty pretty impressive uh, feat there. Mm -hmm. Stan uh, Taranago gets third. Rob Saez, a friend of the pod, and was on uh, the original VG event. Or I guess uh, what do we call that? The, that was the the, the Moscone style original uh, yeah, VG. Right. <laughs> Rob got in there and. Uh... He joined in from Team USA. Yeah. Yep. And then Don Louie and uh, Daniel uh, Sardasolo. Sardasolo. I don't know. Got that wrong. I'm sure. Uh, there's there's a lot of 
good players that were in this tournament that uh, didn't place that high. So, you know, I, I consider that the bar table effect. Uh, it's a bit of an equalizer for a lot of these top pros. Um, having to play the amateurs on the bar table, it's a lot easier to get hot for a short stretch on a bar table than it is a big table. Not saying that they can't play normally, but, uh, you know, when you have a tournament where, you know, Chris Reinhold gets seventh, eighth, which isn't a, a terrible event for him. But, you know, some of the players I'm seeing in here, uh, Oscar Dominguez didn't make the top uh, 10, or sorry, top eight. Uh, John Mora didn't make the top eight. Uh Corey Duell didn't make the top eight. You know, there's a lot of players in here that are really good players for a long time that did uh, that didn't make the top. Eight. Well, eight. Margaret, uh, yeah, Margaret Steyer gets is in there. Blake Baker's in there. Tyler Steyer's in there. A lot of players in there. I chalk that up to bar table mostly. But and eight ball. It's, kind of, it's kind of fun. And eight ball. Yeah. Everybody can run a rack of eight ball. Yeah. No. Except for me. Every pool player can run a rack of eight ball. That's rude. <laughs> see what I did there? Clever, I right? did see what you did there. Yep, I saw what you did there. So, uh, yeah, I guess with that being said, um, I don't know. There, uh, I, I guess we can mention the uh, the Jack and Jill, which I think these tournaments have to have more Jack and Jill tournaments. And, yeah, I was going to say it was nine ball, not eight ball. Was it nine ball? Okay. Yeah, I was thinking it was. You said it with such confidence. I'm like, wait, am I wrong? Yeah, it's yeah, because I remember. Yeah, it was definitely a nine ball tournament, which makes it even even sillier, I think, to me. Bar table nine ball. Were they play? Um, were they playing one on the spot with a magic rack? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about the magic rack because I didn't. I didn't. No, I think it was hand rack. It was hand rack, but um, the one on the spot, yeah. You, you can't. You can't do magic rack on a bar table nine ball. You can't play nine ball on a bar table. Come on, Jesus. Anyway, wood rack. Yeah. We dropped it was okay. Did yeah. Shane get the Rockies one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check. How, did he, how did he get beat? Check for gaps. <laughs> Check for gaps. <laughs> how did he get beat in the hot seat if he's playing one on the spot, rack your own? Are you trying to insinuate something, Jim? What are you trying to say? Use your words. Don't go silent on us now. It's a secret. Nobody knows. It's a secret. Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I think uh, the Jack and Jill thing, I think that's got to have more tournaments like this. Those are just a marketer's dream. I mean, how much yeah, fun are they to see? You know? Yeah, exactly. They're the fun. Yeah. I think the players enjoy themselves a lot more playing those as well, you know? And, I uh, think so, yeah. It's for the public. There's more interaction. There's more uh, fun and games and stuff like that. It's not quite as serious. And you know, and unfortunately, you'll never you'll never get them on a wide scale unless you start making events that women actually want to go to. It's true, but if you make it on a wide scale, then it starts to become real competitive, you know. And then you don't have Sky playing with was it Savannah you played with. Well, you still might play with her anyways. I mean, yeah, but no, no. I mean, if if somebody somebody says we're doing a Jack and Jill tournament and and first prize is ten thousand, he's picking one of the top pros. He's going to Kelly or he's going to Alison Fisher or he's going. You know, they're not going to play with it. With all due respect to Savannah, they're not going to pick a, a fifteen year old or sixteen year old or whatever. You know, they're going to pick a twelve year old. She's a twelve year old. Well, twelve. They're not going to pick a twelve year old to play in a tournament. <laughs> is 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 ten twenty grand. You know they're going to go for one of the top female. Well, yeah, pros. but 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 those female pros are never going to go there if they they have to play in the open event. 
That's what I'm no, saying. No, unless, no, there's a, no. unless there's a, a credible, unless there's a female a, event, no. a major incredible female event alongside of this. Exactly. Yeah. But that's what's good, you know. This tournament here, then you know, you got Sky's. He's, he's pairing up with a 12 year old and playing and winning, you know. And everyone else is, you know, they're picking their partners for fun, and uh, that, that's just really nice to see. You know, I, I would have liked to have seen uh, some of that tournament uh, uh, being live streamed, but uh, yeah. Very All good. Of that kind of thing. All of it. Yeah, not really. You know, or you know, honestly, how how fun would it be to do one of these? Uh, maybe not a Jack and Jill, but a Scotch doubles tournament where the pros play with an uh, uh, a junior player. So it, you know, maybe it's not. It is Savannah Easton at that point, but it's also Sophia Moss. It's also Sam Henderson. It's also yeah. Joey Tate. It's a, how cool would it be to you know maybe not a Jack and Jill per se, but uh, maybe there's a Jack and Jill and a, a pro a pro youth. Pro this okay. type of. Yeah, this type of this type of format is just really fun for everybody. It's fun for the exactly. crowd. It's fun for the viewers. It's fun for the players. It's, it's never going to be. A, it's never going to be a standalone tournament. It has to be alongside another big tournament. Yeah, kind of yeah thing, of course. You know? Because you can't. Because as soon as you start putting money on it, then people get more competitive and they start, you know, being more selective about who they want to play with. And you know, if they see another team in there, if if Shane all of a sudden gets, if Shane teams up with Sam Henderson, and, you know, and it's a pro and a and and, and a kid. Then people say, "Well, I'm not playing anymore because look at that team there." You know, yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, although that wouldn't be that good of a team. Sam would choke like a dog. <laughs> wow! Oh, he would. Oh, you can. Oh, I don't even care. You can say. I hope. Yeah, I hope that they Sam, you listen to this. This is the oh, guy that that said I'm he's supporting you. Look, he's Nate Kennis often listens to this podcast. He would he would absolutely back up what I'm saying. He would he would be shaking so hard. He gets in the presence of Shane Van Boning. He's like <laughs> starstruck. I'm not even. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I, I I hope that this is one of the the podcasts that Nate Kennis is actually listening to. Because uh, I'm telling you, he when Sam gets close to Shane, I mean it is. To put him on the same team, maybe. But I, I, I suspect he would be way too busy shaking like a leaf to be able to do anything. <laughs> He'd be asking him for an autograph while he's down on his show. Well, Shane, just before you play this, can I have your autograph? I, I mean, he is actually. I mean, Shane is a hero to Sam. So, yeah. I think Shane's uh, a hero for a lot of young players. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so yeah, I mean that that'd be a fun event. Um, anything else we want to say about that? The the tournament. The Don Weir Memorial. Well, I've had a very successful uh, tournament. No surprise of the winner. Some surprises of guys who didn't go deep, I guess. Um, yeah. Very good. Okay. Uh, I don't know. You want to tackle this uh, this suggestion that uh, Aaron Lake put out there? Yeah, essentially, what from what I've seen, essentially... Singapore players being banned from a tournament. I mean, I haven't really heard any about this, so I'd be very difficult. Yeah. So, so, more or less, it looks like. Um, uh, the Singaporean players signed up uh, for the. I want to get the actual names right for the tournament. Uh, the English Billiards Championship. Oh, well. Okay, I'll just read. I'll just read the post. We wish to point out that we are here in Taipei because all of our tickets and hotel rooms were booked before the announcement of the band and cannot be uncancelled. Do 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 do. We are a group of 18 Singapore players who are registered for the Famosa Cup 2023 organized the CTBF and sanctioned by the AB, ACBS from August 28th to September 2nd. Uh, essentially, it sounds like they all signed up, booked their hotels, booked their flights, booked their travel arrangements. 
and then they were all banned. And uh, according to this post, they were banned because of Singapore um, hosting the World English Billiards Championship. It has nothing to do with pool. So essentially what it sounds like is the WPA, uh, according to this post, this uh, the WPA is getting bitter about uh, some other organization running stuff, and they are retaliating by banning the host country's players at a future WPA event. Again, it's all hearsay, I guess. Uh, we're both coming. I mean, I, I saw something about this before. I never looked into it. Um, I mean, I kind of skip a lot of these types of stories with the WPA because it does seem that they are, if not bitter, uh, unfairly retaliatorial about some of the decisions that are being made and leaving them behind in doing so. Um, I have never been a WPA uh, fanboy. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, I've had choice words to say about the WPA for a long time. To me, it's an over-bureaucratic system of dinosaur uh, pool scene that it, it's just, it refuses to update or refuses to do anything uh, as far as common sense, because bureaucracy doesn't allow them. And therefore they just end up bogging down a lot of different decisions that they have to make and then get mad when nobody wants to work at their pace. Um, and if there's one thing that Matchroom does not do, it is work off of the pace of a different organizer. And as they're pushing the industry forward, there seems to be a lot more other uh, organizers out there that are working off of the same model. With that being said, the WPA does not have a voice in this. All of these things are hearsay. I don't know anything about it, but it just seems to be another one of the situations where something happened that the WPA didn't like, and this is where we're at because of it. But it's hard to have a, a real factual opinion. I'm just going basically off of things that I've seen in the past that I do know more about. I mean, it, it seems to be an ongoing kind of topic um the wpa wpa and with the relation to to the the idea of stopping players and banning players from certain tournaments if you play here if you do this you're banned and stuff like that um whether or not these things are actually true whether or not it is the wpa that just turn around and say you know they, they sit in a meeting and with their group and turn around and say right we're picking these tournaments if anyone plays these tournaments they're not allowed to play in our tournaments boom that's it fine boom. let's punish them you know um i don't actually know if that's the case or not it seems to be it seems to pop up quite regularly the idea of this is the only solution there is is to start banning players and threatening players with bans and uh, uh to try and convince them that they have to be on our side and not somebody else's side um like you said, hearsay, don't know how much truth is in it. I haven't read the statement. I really don't know. Um, again, I mean, banning players for, uh, for for decisions that somebody else within their country made. I mean... It's pretty nuts. Again, it's a bit, you know, it's if it is a, retali a retaliation for something else, then you're... you're you're hurting the wrong people, really. It's not these are not the people that did it to you. You know, they're not the people that that you're angry with. But you're gonna, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I and I don't actually know um, if this is a WPB or a WPA decision. Is this an ACBS decision? Is this an ACS decision based off of a WPA ruling? Uh, it, there, you'd almost have to have on both sides to be able to actually 
you know, talk about these things. And I don't know how much the WPA is willing to talk about these things that have gone on uh, Windows Open in the past and discussed things. Um, again, it just it just seems to me like there are way. Who is in charge of Matchroom? Everybody knows, right? It's Emily Frazier. She makes the calls. She makes the decisions. Uh, there is no question. The WPA, I mean, it's it's got a board, right? So everything, every decision that's got to go through. Is well, no, 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 you, you have to you have to make sure you're distinguishing between the two. Correct. The WPA, if you're going to liken them to something within the matchroom thing, is the uh, WNP. WP blah blah blah. blah. See, it's it's not Emily. Emily is in charge sure, of sure, sure. the production of the matchroom events, but the 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 the, the WPA for matchroom, the world nine, the world professional nine ball corporation or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, that is that that's not run by Emily. That's yep. not Emily that's in charge of that. You know. Um, but let's but 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 let's be clear that gives Emily the leeway that she needs to make the decision she needs to make. Within reason, right? I mean, she, she can't go out and buy a, a yeah, but then, but, island. But, but, no, but... but Matchroom, the, 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 the tournament, the World Nine Ball Tour, let's say, that's not... that's that you, you can't relate that to the WPA. The World Nine Ball Tour is what is sanctioned by okay. formerly the WPA sure. and now by something else. So the entities okay. that you compare, the entities that you want okay. to compare to each other are the WPA and the WP, which we know nothing about because it just which won't. I don't even know the name of anymore. This too, this too yeah. long. <laughs> but, yeah. but we don't really know much about it. But it, but it is a group of people. Emily is involved in it. Yeah, okay. I, I see what you're saying, and and that that is probably fair to make if you're gonna. Get the levels right. Get the levels. My my broad point is Emily gets things done, and the WPA right. does not. They they sit on things for. I mean, if you want a decision out of the WPA, um, and I've heard this from a lot of organizers who have tried to do, uh, who have tried to work with the WPA in the past to get their stuff WPA sanctioned, and it is like working with a snail. I mean, it just does not get done quickly. Everything takes time, and I and I understand that, but we're not talking about like. A few days. We're talking about like weeks, sometimes months, to get small decisions done. Uh, mm -hmm. Things that could be done over the course of five, six, seven, eight, ten emails will take weeks, if not months. It just, it just doesn't seem like everybody else is going to want to work at that pace for long. So the WPA is going to have to either, uh, I guess, get better about maybe, maybe consolidate their power within you know, for most decisions in a, in one, maybe two people or a smaller board, or they're, I just don't see where the WPA stands in a, in this as is, I don't see how they are going to have these types of decisions going forward. And I'm not talking about like next week, I'm talking about like five years down the line, 10 years down the line. I just don't see where that type of bureaucracy is going to be uh, even yeah, possible. They're not, well, it's, they're not going to have anything to do with nine ball, um, you know. It's uh, uh, there's still there's still there's they're still going to be the sanctioning body for everything else, you know. There's nobody else is in a position to do what Matchroom have done, you know. There's nobody mm -hmm. in a position. Predator's not in a position to say, you know what, we're now going to take ten ball. 
and do what Maxim has done. Predator's not in the position to do that, you know? Um, not currently, yeah. No. So, I mean, it'll be what it'll be. Um, the WPA have, uh, I mean, I'm kind of on you. I, I don't really see what they've done much. Or, or it hasn't been put out in the open and made transparent all the things that they do and, you know, the work that they do. Maybe there is lots of work behind the scenes, but we don't know what it is. Right? We don't get to see it. We don't, we don't feel it. As something that's you know, as something that's grown and has improved the game. Maybe it has in the background, but I don't know. We don't. You never really feel it. For, we don't feel it as as players and fans. Whereas what Maxim is doing, you do feel it. You you felt it immediately, and it's just growing and growing and growing. And it's the 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 snowball is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's something the WPA never never ever managed to create. Um, so, do you think there ever becomes a time where these federations that work through the WPA? Uh, decide to either one by one or as an entire group just just switch over to working with Matchroom exclusively? Do you think there's ever a situation where that'll happen? You, if you do that, then every other game dies because Matchroom will just say, okay, well, it's nine ball. Does that not, well, does that, does that, does that not mean the death of every other game as a professional sport? I, I don't know. I don't know what their agreements would look like. I mean, the federations are the ones that put on all of these different events, right? So as long as the federations oh. theoretically are still putting on these events, no. But if the federation go, if the federation wants to be sanctioned by uh, by the matchroom entity, then they're only going to sanction sanction nine ball tournaments. Maybe, maybe matchroom says, "All right, well, we understand that nine ball is what we focus on, but we understand that there are more games out there. Uh, we'll work on Never you. Well, you don't think so? Never on." They're nine ball. Yeah, I, that's I, all they are. They're, they're just they're nine ball, and that's it. No, I I understand that. Um, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll go any. I don't think they'll go bigger. They want to push nine ball. They want to promote nine ball. They're not going to waste any of their time, their resources, their energy on anything other than nine ball. You might be right. I don't know, but I mean that still doesn't change the fact that uh, it might happen. I mean, what, what's the alternative? Uh, if I'm thinking of this from like a federation standpoint, uh, if if we continue going on the way that we are, uh, five years time from now, maybe there is an entire tour of you know 52, 52 events across the the world that are part of the nine ball tour. Is that is that going to be a big shock? I I think there's already like thirty something, right? I mean, mm -hmm. is it really a huge surprise to come up with twenty more? Uh, we look across the industry, you know, maybe Predator's still doing their thing and maybe they're still having massive, massive uh, success with 10-ball. Maybe they look at it and say, all right, well, 8-ball doesn't really exist at the professional level. And what it does exist at the professional level is incorporated with uh, what Predator's doing with their tour because they obviously have the rights to the world 8-ball at this point. Uh, maybe we just find a way to work with uh, Matchroom on the 9-ball stuff and we work with uh, Predator on the, the rest of the games. Don't know. We'll have to wait and see how it goes. I mean, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if some sort of, you know, the the WPA and Matchroom they they sit around the table again and 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 have another conversation and maybe be a little bit more lenient with each other in order to to do. Uh, I don't know. Or certainly the WPA maybe turn around and say, "Listen, 
please don't shut us out completely. Because I think, I mean, uh, Aaron Lake said here, he thinks that the, the English billiards bond under the WPA and the previous Asian body uh, went against WPA and it didn't end well for them. Well, it's hard to say that with Matchroom, but they're going against them just well. With all, with, all, with all respect to those guys, they're not Matchroom, you know. And, the, and they've the, never had somebody that they could turn to. You can't tell me right now that if, if this if this organization decided to uh, go against WPA again and then went to Matchroom and said, hey, will you back us up on this, uh, that they wouldn't jump at the opportunity to, to consolidate more power away from the WPA at this point with, with how much – with how much, um, with how much Again, animosity so. there is. Between them. I don't think. I, I really. I don't think that. I think historically, Matchroom is no, trying to get so many partners from anywhere. Historically, Matchroom, they just, they've just turned around and said they did it with the darts. It sort of says you're with me or you're not with me. If you're not with me, I'm leaving you behind. It's not that I don't need you. Sure. I'll take you with me if you want. But if you decide not to, it's fine. I'll leave you behind. And when they leave you behind, you're gone. That's it. They don't need, and they don't need support from anybody else. They don't need to be bringing in English eight ball or, or English billiards or, or other things. They just say, look, I'm doing nine ball and that's what I'm doing. I don't care what the rest of you do. I don't give a shit. I'm doing nine ball and that's it. The rest of you, go do your own sure. thing. WPA, fine, you've got the rest of them. You can have 10 ball, 8 ball, whatever you want. I'm taking 9 ball. You can't do anything about it, and I'm running with it, and you're going to be wishing you'd come with me. But you've decided not to. Fine, I don't need you. <laughs> I'm offering you a chance, but you're not taking it. Fine, see you later. I'm gone. And that's the way it works, and that's the way it's going to work. And it's nothing the WPA are out. They've been cut out of the picture. They can't do anything about it. There's, it's gone. They can fight against it all they want. They, 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 I think they know as well they can't do anything about it because they couldn't do anything about it in darts. They couldn't do anything about it in boxing. They couldn't do anything about it. They just do it, and it's like that's what we're doing. Yeah. Like a lump it, you know? Yeah. I, I... And what's wrong, I with having different, what's wrong with having different, different um, uh, sanctioning bodies? I mean, boxing's got like six, you know? Yeah, I mean, what they have like four different belts now at this point, something like exactly. that. You know, um, three I mean, major ones, and... and it's been like that ever since I've ever known boxing. You know, and that, and that's just one sport. It's the same thing. They get in the the, the 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 ring, the same size ring, for the same amount of time, beating each other up with the same gloves. Nothing's different, <laughs> and they all get a different belt for it. At least in pool, if you have. Uh, 10 ball, 8 ball, straight pool. At least you've got four different games that are getting played where you can have four world champions, you know. In boxing, it's just a case of, you know, we're, we're all doing exactly the same and we're all calling ourselves world champions. I mean, there's there's room for, for all four sports to grow. Matchroom have decided we're taking 9 ball and we're going to grow 9 ball. If somebody else wants to take 10 ball and grow it, go ahead and do it. Matchroom will not be in your way because they're only playing 9 ball. They don't care. They're not going to be in your way. You could end up with your own set of pros that are only playing 10 ball and matching we've got their own set of pros that are only playing nine ball. If there's enough players, I mean, go do it. If you can provide something better than matching are doing, you'll get the players there. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to and match and nobody, nobody needs the WPA. Let's be honest, nobody yeah. needs any sanctioning body. If you can create your own, you're golden. We need matchroom a heck of a lot more than we need the WPA at this point. Yes, absolutely. We've had the WPA for a long time. It did no good. 
Exactly. We're not any in nothing has happened. And the, like uh, I said, we see. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't know. I guess um, is there anything else? Oh, oh, I did want to say to be to be fair to Matcham, and, and this seems like something that if it did happen, it would have happened behind the scenes. But I'm also pretty decently plugged in. Um, you are as well. I don't know that I've ever heard of a player matchroom approach and said, if you play in this event, you cannot play in our events. No. I've never heard that ever no. between any player ever. No. Uh, I, even I, when, I, even when uh, things overlapped. I'll be honest. I hear things I probably shouldn't hear, and I know things I probably shouldn't know. That's not one of them. I've never, I've never heard, never that heard anybody say, tell me. We have heard that from the WBA. The matchroom have ever said, you ain't in if you play this. Yes. And that's when, that's when there's actually real overlap. I mean, there was what's a, the the World Cup of Pool last year. The World Cup of Pool was going on top of the European Championships. There's uh, an event that Predator did in Germany. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of it, but there was a lot of the top players that were at the World Cup of Pool. Um, but there was also some also top players that went to the Predator event instead. And from what I heard, Predator never said a single thing about the, the Predator players that went to the World Cup of Pool. And as far as I know, uh, Matchroom never said anything to the players that uh, skipped the World Cup of Pool to go play the the, the Predator event. Um, so the two, at least I, I know there's a lot of animosity between Predator and uh, Matchroom as well. But to be fair to both of them, neither of them, from what I've heard, have ever said that their players could not play not that Matchroom has players, but you know what I'm saying. Um, could not play somebody else. No, no, player, no, no players, as far as I'm aware, have been threatened uh, with, 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 with any sort of kickback if they go and play one tournament or the other yep. by either of the two of them. So, yep. I, I mean, and, Pre and Predator are paying their players to use their products. So, I mean, you know, and they're still not saying, you better come and play the 10-ball event, not the Matchroom event. You know, they're saying, well, you go play what you need to play. Go play what you want to play. That's the way it should be. It's a good form of capitalism. Put out the best event that you could possibly put out, and if it's good enough, the players will come play it without any question. And this is what we want. We talked about this before when it was a Predator and Matchroom before the WPA thing all happened. We want Predator to say, oh, I'm going to do something better than Matchroom, and Matchroom say, oh, well, now we're going to lift our game. And if they both keep lifting their game, then imagine what kind of product you have at the end of it, you know? Pretty close to what we have now, huh? I, I, I think there's only one better. in the end, but okay. Oh, as yeah. As far as our production goes. Uh, I still like Predators. Predators are still putting out 75,000 first prizes and stuff like that. You know, they're still they're pumping money into it. The amount of money that Predator pump into this sport is insane. You know, if you consider... Oh, what did I just do there? You're still Oops. here. Oh, sorry. The, the, the amount of money, that the, the, the percentage of what they make in a year... That they pump back into the game is just insane. They pump back there a is, higher percentage than anybody else does. There is zero question in my mind um, that, as far as an event goes, there is not a single entity on earth that has a prayer against Matchroom at this point. Mm -hmm. Most of the bugs that they've had—I mean, you played in the the German or the the European Open last year, and you had some go, you had some complaints, right? They, the 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 matching or the match scheduling wasn't exactly as good as it was. No, could that have been. Uh, that, that was the first one. That was the first one they did. The UK yes. Open. Oh yes. and last year I said. I, I, they addressed it away next event. Straight away next event. They addressed yep. it. Uh, all of all of the hiccups that Matchroom tends to have, 
they're they're ironed out. But the only thing that I think that Predator has over Matchroom is the display around the players uh, that 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 the three sixty wrap around LED screen. I just think that looks fantastic on screen. I just mm -hmm. love the way that that looks. Uh, that is the one thing I had. I think that Predator has over top of Matchroom. As far as I've played in Predator events, I've never played in a Matchroom event, but I've played in plenty of Predator events. They are not ran as perfectly. The ambiance of the room is not as good. The setup is not as good. Uh, nothing about the setup is on par with Matchroom stuff, um, especially as a viewer. The um, the viewer, I mean, for the Matchroom, I mean, if you want to get close to a table at a Matchroom event, all you got to do is walk. And you're gonna get table side predator events. They have they have matches in the back far corner that you can't see at all. I mean, you might be 40, 40, 50 feet away from that table, and you can't see the scoreboard. You don't know what the score is uh, unless you do like check on your phone live scoring, and that's a nice feature. But I don't want to have to pull. If I'm trying to watch a match, I don't want to have to pull up my phone to look at you know the score and go like this. I just want it to be there. Predator has that down. Or, uh, sorry, Matchroom has that down. They mm -hmm. they make every single table accessible and easily accessible. Mm -hmm. The things that Matchroom does with their events, it's just different. Yep. But I do. Yeah. I but I do you. like that. I do like that LED screen. I think it just looks so cool. And the the things that you can do with it, you know, can make a lot of advertisers really happy. It almost turns into a, maybe a little bit of a gimmicky thing. But mm -hmm. um, I just think I like the way it looks. Predator do great work. It's just Matchroom just do everything just a little bit better. Yeah. And it's simple as that. And, and the, thing with Matchroom is, the thing with Matchroom is when they make mistakes, they make them once. And that's it. Never gets made again. You know, and every single thing. And Emily's on the ball. Her team are on the ball. As soon as something happens, it's like it gets put on the list to be rectified next time. Will not happen again. And you yeah. can guarantee it will not happen again. Or somebody's heads, somebody's losing oh, their head. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and the 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 crazy thing about Matchroom is it doesn't seem to matter who's there. Uh, their turnover, it's decently high. I mean, you, it's very common that you at least a face that you see at an event is not going to be there at the next one. They've had a lot of people running their tournaments uh, throughout the years, and like a well-oiled machine every single time. It, like it doesn't matter who's in that role. Ev, you know mm -hmm. that that team. Is so dialed into everything. The team has everything done. They're st they're still in the baby phase as well. So the team has been building and building and building through every event, and new people have been coming in. Once that team gets set, and then it's been running as that same team for for a year or two years. I mean, it's going to be flawless what they do. You know, I mean, every time I go to the tournament, I, I basically I meet somebody new from the matchroom team basically at every tournament. And it's not because somebody's been replaced. It's because they're growing and they just need to bring somebody else into the team or they need to bring somebody from the, the office side of it with them to the events because there's just more to be done, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's, it's just, it's all going so quickly and it's still so very new, you know? Um, they're fantastic at what they do, though. They are very good at what they do. And listen, best look, of the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if Matchroom, if, listen, if Matchroom hadn't taken nine ball, and Predator were doing the events they were doing, we'd be saying these are the best events that we've seen for for 20 years. You know? It just so happens that Matchroom is, has gone ballistic at the same time, so the Predator events are sort of sitting in second place at the moment, where they really they really deserve a lot of credit because 
what they've done is also amazing compared to what others have done in the past. It just it's just they've overshadowed. Yeah. They've been overshadowed by what Matchroom has done, which which is a little bit unfair to Predator. And it's unfair to, to compare Predator to Matchroom because they're a different entity. They do different things. You know, they have different resources. Let's be honest. The, the resources Matchroom have and the experience they have, uh, and the, the 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 goodwill and the connections they have within broadcasting, Predator just don't have that. You know, predator can't. Predator aren't going to go be able to go to Sky Sports and say, "Can you put our events on it?" They just, you know, they don't have that in way that, that Barry Hearn has. You know, um, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't take away from Matchroom. Best of the best of the best. Yeah. And although, I mean, do you remember back when uh, I think it was twenty? Was it twenty seventeen that uh, Matchroom bought the U.S. Open? And there were so many people that just got so angry at the idea that a UK company is going to come over and buy up the US Open. And there were so many haters. It's a, it's a match room. It was, an, it, you know, we, and this podcast had a, a few things to say um, about it as well. But there was, even, there was even people on Facebook that were going far as, so far as to say, oh, I can't believe it. The US Open is going to get played in the UK now. Yeah, that was so stupid. <laughs> but uh, this is—I mean, this is. These are the things that happened, and um, I, where are those people now? Are they back under the rock? I don't—I don't know. Or did they just like gel back into society and try to act like nothing ever happened? Well, still listen. Matchroom still got its haters. There's still a group of people out there that that, that have got only negative things to say about what Matchroom do. But you're always going to have that. You can't keep everybody it's, happy. That list is that list is shrinking quickly. Um, I don't know. That seems like a good uh, conversation to have. What do you Shall think? Shall we stop? Ready Are we done? Go? Anybody got any questions? I'll give you 20 seconds to get your questions on because I'm having movie night tonight and I'm going to, we've just, we've started watching the full. What are you moving? Are you watching, are you watching uh, Barbie? You watching mm -hmm. the new Barbie movie? I actually, I actually got conned into going and watching that last week. What'd you think? Family. I fell asleep for part of it, and uh, the rest of it made me have bad dreams. All right. I will never, I will never look at Ryan Gosling. You know, you you know, you go into Netflix and there's certain actors that you see there have got a film, and you've never heard of it before, but oh, probably quite good. He's in it. I used to think that about Ryan Gosling. I don't think I'll be doing that anymore. Yeah, he let me down massively. Uh. I guess uh, short answer, Sam Henderson. Yeah, he's been ghosting us recently. Uh, he's still he's still going to be on the podcast periodically. Uh, we he, uh, he, he started coming on the podcast, and then and then Nate decided to sponsor him. And since then, he's like, I don't need to go on the podcast anymore. I'm yeah, he, he, his life kind of fell apart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I won't say the things that has happened to him since then, but it's it's not good. It's not good. But uh, we, we, we can get him on again because we're, we're going to have to talk about we're going to have to talk to him before he goes to Austria for the uh, for the World Juniors, aren't we? I think I'm going to go with him. I think I need to look at dates for that. But I told him if I told him if he if he qualified, I would go with him, and he called when is my it? bluff. When is it? I don't even know. I might go. Yeah, you want to meet there? Could do. Austria's not far we, away from me. We could cuddle. It'd be fun. I'm not cuddling you, Nate. Why would I? I'm not going all the way to Austria to cuddle you. Well, fine then. Didn't want to cuddle you anyways. Rude. That's not what you were like on the the on the VIP couch at the Scony Cup. Hey, hey, hey! You cuddled me just as much as I cuddled you that day. I was tired. <laughs> 
it's the 18th through the 22nd of October. 18th to the 22nd of October. Let me just check. The World 8 Ball is uh, the 17th through the 22nd. Oh, I'm actually free for, free from work. But I think I'm going on holiday with the family. If I'm going to go, I'm only going to go through the 18th to the 22nd, though. Although yeah. if I'm going all the way to Europe, I really should not be going for three days. I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Let you know. Good. Uh, right, Texas you know, Open. Any other uh, Texas Open. Don't know anything about the Texas Open. Every, uh, year I say, every year I say next year I'm going to try and go to the Texas Open, and it never happens. Uh, we don't. We're just we don't. We have a special bond. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, I mean, the Texas Open, I mean, it's, it's like one of the longest, I think it actually is the longest running event uh, in the world, as far as I know. Um, I know that they they put an event on during COVID that was basically a shell of itself. Not a, well, yeah, a shell of itself, basically, to make sure that they maintain that. Um, just, yeah, it's one of the longest running tournaments ever. And it's a good event. It's, I mean, it's uh, it's not a Derby City Classic, but it's I think it's bigger than a turning stone, personally. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big event. I mean, it's one of the biggest events that's organic to the U S I would say it's definitely behind the U S open. It's definitely behind Derby city classic. And it's, there's a pretty good argument that it's like the third biggest past that. So it's, it is actually a real event. It's a huge event. And federal federal will probably win it. He's got an outside chance. He, uh, you know, eats all of his vegetables and gets a good night's sleep. He's got a chance. Doesn't sit, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sit up until four o'clock eating pizzas. It's amazing how much that kid eats because he's built like that and he just eats all day long. Do you not remember being 20 years old? God, the amount he put, I don't know where he puts it. He must have hollow legs. Do you don't remember being 20 years old, Jim? I didn't eat that much. I drank, oh, a lot. Old... I drank a lot and smoked a lot back then, so that's probably what I'm <laughs> Fair play. All right, yeah, let's close it out. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll uh, see you next week. Thanks, guys. See you.